Stat Sheets of Las Vegas. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. Sin City is my location for all things Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman this week. But no, this is not a boxing podcast. We are talking all things wrestling, entertainment, sports, whatever you want to talk about it. And what a damn friggin' busy time to be a pro wrestling fan. I may be on location. I may be a little washed, but I have the syringe. It's ready for injection with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, absolutely the voice that you hear. Hey, folks. I'm sweating out here. It's 119 and a half degrees and Swamp Ass is alive and well. So why don't you reward my hard work on the other end with a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this crap. You know what I'm talking about. All right. All that good stuff behind us. Man, do we have a loaded show for you today, folks. Talking about all things WWE, Extreme Rules, the, the ups and downs on Raw and SmackDown. And that's just the beginning when you consider the climate of pro wrestling at the moment. We are knee-deep into the beginning of the G1 Climax 29 tournament. We've got Fight for the Fallen from AEW. Man, we had a 205 Live main event you just don't want to miss. Is there any other organization sprouting up? I'm not really sure. I'm going to have to check. I'm going to have to keep up with you. But I'm fired up to have you with us again. Fired up also to, to cut you out a piece of that pie, right? Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Oh, don't we all, Renee? Uh, Mox is getting a piece of something over there in Japan. Oh, yeah, our own Nick Costos, our old friend. I don't know if you're following him on IG, at the Costos. He's all over Japan right now with his lovely lady. Hands up. High five in that man's direction. All right. Let me uh, let me bring in the other man. Fresh from Fort Lauderdale. He's a homeowner. It's time. Let's do it. Say hello to the bad guy. Oh, yeah. When he's not watching uh, pro wrestling, you can find him spackling his new tub. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, close enough. Uh, yesterday it was removing a humidistat, spackling the hole, installing a Nest thermostat, wow. and uh, wow. yeah, place is getting painted next two days. Homeowning kind of sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> it's not great. Well, it's been that... 16 days. It's it's really shitty. Yeah, there's the initial buzz of like, it's mine, and that's great. And look, I yeah. was a first-time homeowner just short of my 40th birthday, so like I I had the years of the want but you're right. Then that hits you of like, oh, crap, I have to fix this. Or, oh, crap, I have to find the money to get somebody to fix this. It's not just call the damn landlord. So yeah. I was I was washing my hands and decided to test out my um, what's it called? The garbage disposal. Oh, boy. Hit the button. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. Turn it off. Hit it again. Dead. <laughs> like I just moved. I haven't even moved in yet. Moving in in 10 days. Garbage disposal has to be worked. Cabinets have to be fixed. It. Look, if you're thinking about buying a home, listen, everyone says it's a great investment. I think it is. Um, but be careful and really think about <laughs> really, really think about whether you want this in your life, because wow. I got to be honest. It's like I said, I'm 16 days in and it is rough. Wow. This guy, the Silver King saying, I know it's your dream, folks, but uh, reconsider your own think about dreams. It. Uh, think it SK, through. where's your um, 
your blood levels, your pulse, your activity, your excitement on all things pro wrestling, okay? Because, by the way, we can be fans of it all. As much as some of us maybe revolution heads or whatever, like, there's a lot out there, dude. It's a, it's a, it's a life investment to actually be caught up on it all. Yeah, I'm kind of – maybe it's because I'm so busy otherwise and I'm frustrated. I don't know. Um, I'm kind of down. Like, we'll talk through everything that happened this past week, but, like, Extreme Rules was really good, and then it ended, and then Raw and SmackDown kind of didn't live up to expectations for what you would think it would be, in my opinion, in week one under these new regimes, including apparently Eric Bischoff wasn't even at SmackDown. Uh, and then Fight for the Fallen, we'll discuss, dismayed by that. I haven't so been, had the opportunity to watch much? the G1. Are you saying it feels too much when the too much is not invading it's not your good. real hole? Is that what you're it's saying? It's not good, yeah. All it's right. not good. All right. That's that's a, that's fair. That's fair. There was a lot of warning track power in the content this week. There was a lot yeah. of it. There's uh, competing factors. Pac Thurman, you fired up for that this weekend? That I'm, I'm more excited about Pacquiao Thurman than I am about anything else. I mean, that's... Just, you know, it's the biggest fight of the year, you know, you could say. I think yeah. there's a legitimate shot. Here's here's my uh, small uh, boxing yarmulke I'll put on my head. Um, I think there's a legitimate opportunity. This is not it for Pacquiao because he's going to keep fighting because he's a legitimate contender. But this might be the last, like, match. I think Thurman's going to win this thing. I feel like Thurman should, but, man... I don't know. I've been a part of a lot of these uh, interviews. Check out PBC Face to Face on on YouTube right now streaming. Uh, you watch that and you're like, man, Thurman's trying really hard. Pacquiao's a stone face. I almost feel like Thurman's got more questions to answer. It's a wild fight. A lot at stake. Can't wait to be a part of it. And uh, Silver King, your string of consecutive um, uh, bets on, on yeah. combat sports is, is on the line here. So put your yarmulke yeah. on and hopefully at the end, after Saturday night, we'll be saying, Mazel, that's fantastic news. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Eight, yeah, I got eight straight main events called. Um, so my pick is Thurman, but I usually pick the rounds. I got to see what that over-under looks at before the fight. I will tweet that out, and we'll see how that goes. But, guys, for more fight analysis, Pacquiao Thurman all week long, BC will be in Las Vegas. Obviously, catch it here, State of Combat. We have our boxing episode from Monday with Ray Bartholomew. We're going to attempt to give you instant analysis Saturday night slash Sunday morning coming out of the Pacquiao fight. And you can catch Brian on CBS Sports HQ. That's cbssports.com slash live or cbssportshq.com all week long previewing the fight. Um, look, it doesn't get better than this. I mean, yeah, heavyweight boxing is great, but Pacquiao. You know, no, we don't have Mayweather anymore. Welterweights are the sexiest, and obviously the winner of this will probably face the winner of Spence and Porter. So we're talking right. big business, and you mentioned it, CBS Sports HQ. Hey, folks, if you're not woke on that, get on it. You can watch it on your phone, computer, tablet, TV. It's like getting the latest news and highlights and info any time of the day, free, streaming, 24-7. I don't care what device you have. Just hook it up. No cable package or subscription required. I like free stuff. This is it's really, free. really good yeah. free stuff. Uh, Adam, it, it would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, it's not just boxing. It's not just pro wrestling this week. Ain't it the fourth and final golf major of 2019? You know more about that stuff than I do. Yeah, British Open going down. Uh, really, the Open Championship. We Americans call it the British Open. But the Open Championship from Royal Portrush in Northern Ireland Really, really big for us here at CBS Sports. Uh, our guy Kyle Porter will be covering it all week on CBSSports.com. Uh, and we also have a podcast. One of a few things that I do, am not actually heavily involved in from a production end. Uh, it's called The First Cut. 
with Kyle Porter. Uh, he talks, you know, golf all week long with Chip Patterson and uh, Mark Immelman, and you'll be able to hear updates all week long from the Open Championship. So don't forget to subscribe to that. Just like State of Combat here, wherever you get your podcast. Oh yeah, they're gonna have post round analysis after round two on Friday, after the final round on Sunday. Subscribe to that one. Uh, is Tiger gonna? Uh, is Tiger alive? I don't speak golf. Is he? Is he? Uh, <laughs> is is he have women in his life? Where are we at with Tiger right now? You know, he is playing better, so I don't know how that normally balances out. But uh, Tiger, look, he won the Masters this year. He's having a very good year. But ever since winning the Masters, he's basically played three events over the last three months. And that's not really what you do uh, if you're trying to go out and win majors. Now, that said, Tiger Woods is arguably the greatest of all time. So I kind of trust him to you know get himself ready for big events. Uh, the Opens. Uh, open championship type events, Lynx Golf, is an event he can win any year, probably for the next five or six. So he is in contention. Rory McIlroy is p- playing in his home country this week. So it is an exciting time to be a golf fan and an exciting week to watch golf. Not a great week for the Silver King, though, who basically has to wake up at 2 a.m. every day because this thing's played in Northern Ireland and I got to edit it here for CBS Sports. But oh, at least I'll be able to get some G1 in the same say, time. I was going to say, it's perfect timing yeah. on that. Man, Tiger's DMs must be sloppy all right silver king uh uh enough enough of the refreshments in the apps can we get to the meat here can we do that thing yeah we uh we like that meat here at state of combat and that meat is called the main event this is the main event we do have a lot to get through this week and i don't want to talk too much wwe tv until we talk about extreme rules because you know look top to bottom in my opinion, that was legitimately a great pay-per-view. They literally gave you all of the things that we ask for. High-quality wrestling, entertaining finishes and good matches, storyline development. I guess my final takeaway from the overall show, BC, and it, and it has to do with the main event, obviously, the winners-take-all mixed tag team elimination match with Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch retaining uh, over Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. For me, the match over-delivered, shockingly. And then they pull the plug. Brock Lesnar comes out, cashes in the Money in the Bank briefcase, and predictably is the new Universal Champion. So take me through your mindset. We'll talk about the rest of the card and things that happen, but take me through your mindset, watching that final match, knowing it was going to main event, seeing Brock come out. Obviously, Paul Heyman you know, teased it earlier in the show. Wh- what did you think about that booking decision? This week of pro wrestling... Uh, it's so much got flipped upside down in the last seven, eight days. And I say flipped upside down in terms of where my hot take of the moment had been and where my expectations were. And this is going to be a mea culpa show. This is going to be BC giving you raw, real truth. And many times taking that L many times. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. And just being like, I was wrong about that. I was wrong about not caring about this mixed tag team match because it wasn't just over-delivering. It was fan-friggin-tastic. It was so good, Adam, watching it, that I kind of wished it was SummerSlam main event. I I don't need Baron Corbin in that spot, mind you, but even though he actually performed very well. He's good. He's good. They book him poorly. He's good. I kind of really needed this to be a WrestleMania or SummerSlam or bigger than uh, in between July. Although, to be honest, the July pay-per-views, 
in the last few years have been big. I mean, Great Balls of Fire a couple years ago was a big deal, and they delivered, and it is sort of the table setter for SummerSlam. It also pulls them out of that rough post-Mania funk, whatever. This match over-delivered. I was into it. Good Lord. Corbin hitting that that finisher on Becky was a moment. It was a End moment because of how rare that happens these days, and I think it was tastefully done and perfectly done. And then this happens. Let's do this! And I gotta tell you, Adam, if you told me coming in, not that it's impossible to predict. He's the money in the bank guy. We knew it was possible at any point. But if you told me that we'd come in this week, Rock's the champion again. I, look, I probably would have had a stereotype take of like, oh man, Vince going back to that again. I'm wrong, Adam. I actually really liked the way it handled on Sunday night. Even though it was so simple and basic and predictable, I never realized how much I need Brock in my life. But when I need Brock in my life, I need it done right. And Sunday night, thought it was pretty well done right. I had a lot of issues with what happened Monday that we can talk about. But Sunday night, the idea of Brock as champion, it just sort of worked. He nailed it. He was jacked. He came in. There was no bungling. He did exactly what he's supposed to do. Take that belt and screw people over. Could I have concocted a different scenario in which, you know, Corbin had cheated to win and then Brock took it from Corbin? Would that be better? Maybe uh, Brock actually cashing in during that mix match would have been interesting, Adam, from the idea of him winning both titles, the women's title too, and then maybe throwing the women's title down, maybe having some interaction with Becky eating a spare from Brock. I'm just telling you, there's next level stuff they could have done. But even with what they did, I actually really liked it. I was sent home Sunday night saying, not a great pay-per-view. Some people thought it was a great pay-per-view. No, not a great pay-per-view. Really good show, though. Really damn good show. I was entertained start to finish, and the main event made me happy. It sent me home well. I was okay with it. It wasn't in ingenious stylings. If you're just somebody who's appalled by the idea of Vince going back to Brock, I get it. If you're DMing me, and a lot of people did, that this just ain't my cup of tea. I, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. And I didn't realize I still need Brock in my life. And this kind of worked. So I'm not, I don't object to the presence of Brock Lesnar. I don't object even to Brock Lesnar being champion, although I don't like it. What I object to is the booking. Having Paul Heyman come out before the WWE Championship match, or whenever that timing worked out, after the tag team match, and saying Brock Lesnar will cash in tonight. And yeah, he said that before, and it's been a fake out, obviously. But even putting that in the minds of the audience ruins the surprise of what Money in the Bank is. If they had that great match and the story that they told at the end of it, which was very good, which was Corbin hitting end of days on Becky, which was devastating. By the way, end of days is one of the most protected finishers in the company. I don't think anyone's ever kicked out of it or the stomp, just so you know. So he hits that on Becky. She is knocked out outside the ring, just like birds flying around her head cartoon style after taking that move. And Rollins loses his freaking mind, beats the hell out of him with the kendo stick, beats the hell out of him with the chair, hits three stomps, wins, and is exhausted. He's finally done it. The way you tell the story is you have Becky crawling into the ring to finally whatever. Lesnar's music hits, and the place goes nuts and Rollins looks at it like oh my god this is crazy instead he has to suspend the disbelief or you as the, as the viewer that he didn't think of this possibility 
when two segments earlier, Paul Heyman's out there saying, my client's here, he's going to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. By doing that, they ruined the surprise factor of Lesnar, which made the moment an LOL Brock is champion again moment for me, as opposed to a, holy cow, that's a good surprise, Brock's champion. You know, I want to see what happens Monday night. We're both on the line of it could have done better. I'm just surprised how much I actually enjoyed it and felt good about it. And that's sort of contrary to where we should be in wrestling. And any feeling I had Sunday night, though, Adam, I think we got to talk about it right now. It was absolutely spoiled by what happened on Monday night to close. Horrible. Horrible. Okay, so here's the deal. Loved the idea of that 10-man cross-brand battle royal because it's all Horrible. Horrible. (laughs) <laughs> I loved it. It's all killer. I like the way that Paul Heyman presented it. I love the big names. I like how they took the time to announce each big name and get you to get excited about that possibility of those guys versus Brock. That Those little nuances, Adam, even with Paul Heyman bragging about how he has pulled these days, all of that I loved. The match itself, I loved the crap out of it. I expected to hate it really? and fast forward through it. I was thoroughly entertained. It had... Royal Rumble big match type feels to it in my mind. You know, the, I, the, t- in the way that people got eliminated, the, 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 the comings and goings there, where they lost me completely, and anybody who watched those two days as a whole who's anti-Brock and is now, like, fired up mad, I get it. Because here's the deal, Adam. They went back to the well on Seth Rollins. What the hell are they doing? Okay? Do you know what doesn't work anymore? The same people feuding together shoved down your throat when you know it's a Vince McMahon choice. Yet Brock himself still works. Him coming out to open Raw looking jacked with the title, laughing at Paul Heyman's jokes, it still works. But the thing is, we need him in something fresh we haven't seen. Here's the problem. They rammed Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar down our throat and stretched it out and never actually did anything good with it, with the exception, by the way, of that ending in the cage match in Saudi Arabia, which then they didn't even capitalize on the potential controversy there. Going back to the well with Seth Rollins now is a fail because what they did at WrestleMania, it was a fail. I know they grabbed us by opening the show with that match, but they let Brock loose too easily. There really wasn't a good storyline around it. They barely mentioned the connection to WrestleMania 31 and the way Seth ran in. And you mix that with the, with the other half of this equation, Adam. And it's time to be honest in this show. It's time to admit when we're wrong. It's also time to double down and admit when we're right. Seth doesn't have it as a top-end babyface. He, he can have it in certain situations, like with Reigns when they're doing S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, or if they ever possibly do this, Roman and, and, uh, and Seth, Mega Powers Explode 2.0. But the explode part is the key thing here. He's got to become a heel. He's great as a heel. Oh. I love him as a heel. 2015 was one of the best runs anyone's had. It's not working with Seth as a face against Brock, and I'm going to double down on you and say it's not working because they rushed that WrestleMania storyline. Brock succumbed too easily, and now we're going back to the well. Vince, you're setting people up to boo this because they don't want this. If that had been anyone else, Adam, not anyone, but let's be honest here. You and I talk for days, weeks, years that Big E is a future star in waiting. The feels I had when he was talking trash to Brock, when he was doing some of those one-on-ones in there. Oh, my God, I saw the future. Wouldn't it be logical for them to do a Big E Brock Lesnar WWE Championship or Universal Championship feud this year? Probably not. But I saw the future of what those feels could be like. We're really going back to Seth. 
I mean, I would have popped for Lashley, which I know you would have you would have been okay with. I would I actually would have popped for Orton if they actually did something with it. I don't need or want Seth and Brock, and Seth actually is going to make people hate Brock worse because we just saw this. So you're you're this is one of the situations where you're fifty fifty. You're like so right about so many things, but so wrong about so many other things. First of all, you cannot judge Seth Rollins' run as a face universal champion because he's had one opponent, and that opponent was Baron Corbin for three freaking months. He had no opportunity to show his face championship shops chops against anyone that was a legitimate contender to his title because they never created a legitimate contender to his title. They never created a heel that people wanted to get behind as a heel. They just created a guy people hated in Baron Corbin. So that is out the window. Number two, the issue with Brock, which you brought up is right. Rollins did beat him quote unquote too easily, but the only way that Brock has ever lost since his return has been nut shots, Undertaker and Seth Rollins and distractions, Roman Reigns. No one's gone over Brock legitimately fully clean. And because of that, it's just this aura around him that he can never get beaten in a real way. And because of that, fans are never going to buy into someone beating him. Like they did when the way they put Rollins over Lesnar at WrestleMania, he hit him with nut shots, stomps, and he pinned him in the opening match. They didn't make Seth Rollins a underdog babyface by having him fight against this massive monster who he sh- in real life should have no business beating in a fight, but he is somehow able to. Think about the AJ Styles-Brock Lesnar match. Think about the Daniel Bryan-Brock Lesnar match. Those guys got elevated in losses to Lesnar. Rollins didn't get elevated in a win to Lesnar. That's the biggest issue with Brock Lesnar, how Vince McMahon treats him, and what happens with him in this position. Now, they've basically put the title on Brock Lesnar so that they can once again have a heel champion at a major pay-per-view and a face trying to come up from under to win the title. As you said, it was Roman. It failed, primarily because of the way they booked and pushed Roman way above and beyond always winning, so on and so forth. Now it's happening with Seth because they never gave him a chance to succeed as a face. I would have much rather had Lesnar cash in the title for a planned opportunity at SummerSlam and beaten Rollins at SummerSlam than have this reversal and another WrestleMania rematch at a major pay-per-view. On top of that, you love the Battle Royal. I hated the Battle Royal. The people compete. They called it a 10, top 10 all-star Battle Royal, whatever. Half the people in there had either lost on Sunday or the previous week on television. There's no reason that you're going to have Lashley and Strowman in there when Strowman just beat Lashley. There's no reason for Corbin to be getting another opportunity when Corbin just had an opportunity three in a row against Rollins and lost to all of them. If they really wanted that to be a exciting match, then yeah, you have a Big E. You have Andrade. You have Roman and Seth and Randy. It was well it was though, so it was, well it, was so cl- it was close to being good. And then, Brian, I'm going to disagree again. I thought the match itself sucked. The finish was okay. I you, don't get how you had you Roman. That. It was well booked, you, man. It was not. You had Roman spearing Seth, and that was kind of cool. And Orton got his RKOs, and they made you think Orton might win. And then Seth won. And and you saw the crowd. It was like, oh, we kind of were rooting for Orton. Like the crowd wanted Randy Orton to win that match. I just want there is the Royal Rumble every year, every January. That is the Royal Rumble that has a winner who becomes the number one contender for a title. No more. 
Stop with 10, 20-person battle royals determining number one contenders, particularly for a world title. If you want to do that for a mid-card, fine. Give me gauntlet matches. Give me tournaments. Give me little mini events during a show where it's you know two triple threat matches and then the winner's facing the main event and that person's the number one contender. Don't give me a dumbass battle royal where just people get thrown out of rings, I mean, go look, on quick it runs. Was good, it was terrible, Brian. It was it was okay, crap. All right. Now now you're it just was. now you're now you're just let's break all the windows and glass. Uh, it, it was, was not terrible. The match was actually really good. The finish was bad because there's there the finish was so predictable Reigns Cena Super Cena level that now they're going to ruin Babyface Rollins. Exactly. And 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 you mix with what I said before there. Um I, I don't know. It felt some parts about it felt fresh. I think overall though Raw and SmackDown we we lost that freshness. I don't know who's really running the show. Like right the the dirt sheets say Bischoff isn't there yet on Tuesdays. Heyman's got some control on Mondays, but we need to move forward. We need to be fresh. We need to feel fresh. Going back to Rollins in Lesnar, good lord, it's it's anything but fresh. Come on, WWE. Like if they if they had given you Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, would you have been happy? Because I would have been. Rollins retains. Rock doesn't cash in. Orton wins this battle royal on on Monday. It's it's Randy Orton versus Seth yeah. Rollins. The crowd I, loves okay. Randy Orton, and then you have Brock Cash in at SummerSlam. Yes, I'll for, I would have had to forget that their 2015 feud immediately after WrestleMania was not good. It was it was very much not good. But, Three uh, years ago. But yeah, uh, yeah. all right, I, I could have been down with that. Basically, it's just like we need something new. We also need something that's good. And I know we're probably going to crap on the women's feuds coming up entering SummerSlam. Another area where it's just we'll like, get to that. where we'll are get you that. going here? But uh, closing thoughts on that main event match, though, on Extreme Rules. Um, Lacey's great. Lacey is great. Not really good. The, how is, that is such an exaggeration, It's man. not an exaggeration. I mean, we, we always talk about her swagger and the way she character, carries her character. She upped the sec, the sexualness in this match. I don't know if it must have been a directive from Vince, but did you see her? she put her hands on her own ass like 3,000 times in this match and did certain bends? I'm just saying that her wrestling, maybe her and Becky in a in a superstar match didn't live up to the pay-per-view levels that we expected but in this match with the intensity that all four brought and WWE does seem to do these mixed matches very well on the highest level Lacey was a star in this match oh she had her she had her best match on the main roster so that my, doesn't make her good so i think they really dropped the ball by maybe not putting the belt on here her on here in this spot and the reason why i say that is what you and i did in the preview last week was i really thought they should have cashed in on the idea that we're pushing the Becky and Seth relationship so hard right now on the air. So hard. And Seth is almost sort of taken like a backseat at times. He's the man's man. And Becky's almost like the dominant alpha in the relationship. They should have had one cost the other the championship. They really should have and had that dynamic play out. Brock could have still cashed in, like I said, against Baron. And now you have Lacey as heel champion. I really think that could have worked. Just my you, thoughts. For, first of all, you can't make Baron Corbin universal champion even for a minute. It just it, even if it was thirty seconds and and Lesnar was under the ring, you couldn't do that. Uh, Lacey is in in no situation where she should be leading a women's division on either brand. You're right. She did have her best show, her best match since being on the main roster. The moonsault was great. Some of her moves were great. But you have to remember, it was so good because she didn't really have to wrestle as much. They were able to use weapons. She was able to use the kendo sticks and the chairs. That hides a lot of the issues, just like the next match that I'm going to talk to you about, the Reigns-Taker match against Shane McMahon 
and Drew McIntyre. I'm not transitioning. I'm not transitioning. I'm just saying that's the next match I'm going to talk to you about. Well, but But, here's the deal, though. She has bigger star power, Adam, than any of the rest of them with the exception of a Sasha, with the exception of sometimes Bliss, sometimes Charlotte. I I mean, dude, her star power is through the roof. So why don't we transition and mention here, there's no reason to hide it. Everybody saw it. The women's championship matches that they have now shown us, they're probably going in that direction well, for SummerSlam. There's no reason not to jump into it now. Adam, they suck. They suck hard. Okay? Becky Lynch against... Is she going up against Ember or is it the other way around? No, she's going up against Natalia. That's such a retread. It's such a, like, what the hell are we doing here? It's not a retread. It sucks. It just sucks. What's the attraction there? There's nothing. She's Canadian. She's Canadian, and it's in Toronto. That's it. And That's all they're doing. Freaking, this guy's, look, this is not an in-between pay-per-view. This is SummerSlam. And the idea of doing Bailey and Ember Moon is a freaking joke. It's a joke. That is, unless you're putting it on the kickoff show to open it up, it's a joke. Do Wait, you know, tell me why that's a joke. I'm curious. Ember Moon, number one is not even remotely on that level yet. Not even remotely. Adam, we have found out since she's been called up that it's been a mistake. She elevated herself during that title feud opposite Asuka at NXT, took herself to a higher level. She was not ready for the main roster. She did okay in the beginning. She doesn't have it. She got hurt. She got hurt and never pushed. That's fine. She doesn't have it for the main roster. I'm talking about it. You know that, that thing I'm talking about, right? Right? Right, Brian. Do I even know what I'm talking? Oh, I, I know what I'm talking about now. Play it. Find it and play it. Yeah. You know what? Where's Christian? Christian, are you here? Are you even on this board anymore? You don't have it, Adam. She doesn't have main roster. It. Brian, none of Brian. Stop. None of these women have been given an opportunity. It's not you about haven't that, seen Adam. her, okay. Brian. You haven't seen her to get her over. You haven't seen Mandy Rose in anything her. reasonably good, except for that WrestleMania feud where she started looking decent. If you if these women aren't on television and not getting opportunities like this, then they can't get over. They okay. can't prove Adam, that they're I good. I respect your idea, your idea of, of defending Ember by saying, look, she hasn't had the right booking, which is the same defense you just did on Seth of his babyface run as champion. And have the True, right booking. it's accurate. But here's the deal, though, Adam. That doesn't matter in the end. There's no asterisk next to it in the end. You can look at Ember Moon right now and know whether good booking or not she would have it. She doesn't. But... Could it work opposite a dominant champion who's a star? Maybe. Bailey, no. People don't want her to be the champion now. And then you had that awkward exchange on Tuesday where it's like, hey, best friend, I'm gonna new best friend, I'm gonna give you a chance for no reason. So my overall point is this, Adam. You now have two forgettable matches on the women's championship level heading into SummerSlam that no one's going to be excited about. There's no Rousey to bring up business. There's no, uh, you know, on fire Becky at the moment. It's sort of, okay, it's Becky as champion and it's Natalia. So hopefully they got ideas for Sasha Banks coming back and all that stuff. But as things stand now, that's a fail. And yet you have this star in Lacey Evans who portrays nothing but full-on She's stardom at star. all times. Adam, she went from no experience to being a natural. She's more of a natural. She's a nat, Brian. She's a natural. Yeah, let me explain it. What if, the hell are you talking about? Let me explain it to you. Okay. In the same way that you go on and on and gush, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but the same way that you go on and on and gush about Rousey being an in-ring natural, and she did. She, she proved was. that to be true. Lacey is more more of a natural in what she does best, which is the other side that Ronda doesn't do well. The portrayal on the microphone, the when she walks into a room, business changes. 
Adam, Lacey Evans is a star with no experience who just leaped onto the scene. And I think they missed that opportunity heading into SummerSlam because she's going to bring in casuals who are back into the product and be like, oh, man, who's this hot chick? She's strong. She can carry that character well. And we have Ember Moon and Natalia as title champ. Like, are you kidding me? Brian, I don't know what you're smoking, brother, but give me some because what you're describing is Alexa Bliss. You're describing someone who is a, a star personality but absolutely blows in the ring. And Lacey Evans just had three months to get over and prove she was deserving to be a champion and d- deserving of a push, and she completely failed to no, do it on the fail. mic and in the ring. If she had succeeded, maybe they wouldn't have booked this mixed match, and maybe she would have got right. a, f- a, a third one-on-one singles match and been given the title, Brian. The she top, was absolutely. given the chance. And she failed. All right. Okay. Okay. Now it's a failure. Do you know what it was? She had a match against Becky that didn't live up to what we expect a four-star women's title match to be on a pay-per-view. It was what a three, maybe. And now that's a, a failure. One. Now it she was a sucks one. on the microphone. Like, come on, Adam. You can't. I didn't say she hard. sucks on the microphone. You called her I a failure. You... you straight up called Brian, her a failure. You saying she's good on the microphone is the equivalent, and that she's a star because she can talk is the equivalent of saying that Alexa Bliss is a star. You know what happened to Alexa Bliss? She just got booed out the damn building on Monday night because her match was so bad. And if Lacey Evans was in her spot, the exact same thing would have happened. There's a difference. They are, they are talented Bliss. entertainers and personalities. They are not good professional wrestlers, and they're not believable champions. Right, but Lacey's bigger than Bliss. She's a much more believable champion because of her size and physicality. And if you book her against a great worker, here's the thing about Becky. Becky can be a great worker as a B-side in a big title feud. Think about her against a Charlotte or a Sasha. But she has to be the working B-side, not not star power B-side, the working B-side because she's not as good of a worker as them. If you put Lacey against a Sasha Banks or a Charlotte or someone of elite working level, you would see her grow immensely. She has Ryan. much more potential than Alexa Bliss because of size alone. And when you add in the swagger, dude, you actually maybe should get into smoking some of this stuff because you are not hearing her. You're listening Ryan. to Lacey on the mic, Ryan. but you are not hearing her. Brian, Elias is very good on the microphone. He's a dynamic personality. Crowds pop for him. Is he a world champion in WWE? Well, I'll tell you why he's not. I'll tell you why you say that. Because he's booked as a joke all the time. And I'm right, right about man. that. So his booking's affecting his ability to get over? Right, but but here's the point. Just like Ember but Moon? here's the point, though. Am I using it as an excuse? No. And did I say he's title level? No. His booking buried him. Just like Ember Moon, you could say that, but I could also tell you that Ember Moon doesn't have it. Elias has it. They book him as a joke. He never Ember had Moon that hasn't had, Ember Moon hasn't had a center stage opportunity, you know, six months in a row to get herself over. Adam, are you really going to die on the hill of Ember Moon here? Like, be honest. No, I'm just, but I'm just saying your opinion's ridiculous. It's like saying, yes, yeah, Sonya Deville's not over. She can never be champion. She hasn't been given a chance to be. Adam, there are certain. Mandy Rose, the one, oper- the one time it looked like Mandy Rose might, they just stopped pushing her and didn't book her match. So no one's able so, to look at somebody and objectively gauge what they could do. Let me put it this way. Nick Costas on this show famously d- d- disagreed with both of us and said Finn Balor does not have it. And it was a big controversy, right? And then you know what happened? Finn Balor got some damn good booking. And what did Nick say? Damn, I was wrong. I got to take the L. 
Finn Balor has it. He's my favorite superstar. You can't judge people when they're booked like garbage, Brian. Here's the difference, okay? Nick Costos did not watch Finn Balor in NXT. Nick Costos did not watch Finn Balor in Japan. Nick Costos And we watched Ember Moon in NXT, didn't we? Nick Costos saw a small-ish, and Nick Costos is more of the Vince older school guild. He saw a smallish Balor who was too often painted with the stroke of the demon gimmick and said, you know what, overall, just not doing it for me. Even with what we saw Ember Moon, I don't know how you can have that same confidence, though. I don't know. Ember Moon was extremely good. She's a B. She's not an A side. She's a B side, and she would be the B side in this match. Are you kidding me? Against Bailey for SummerSlam, you may have. She's. I need to Brian. Brian, we can't. We can't simultaneously complain that Charlotte Flair gets every title match and is always champion, and then have them give the title to someone else and be upset that they're the A side of the match. Like, who else is Bailey gonna face? Tell me honestly. Are you ready? No Lacey Evans. No Lacey Evans. No Sasha Banks. No Alexa Bliss. Who should Bailey be facing? Um, Asuka? How about that? She's an attack. Well, here's she's an the attack thing, team Adam. title feud. Here's the thing. How about that? She's an attack How... team title feud, Brian. Okay, can I finish my statement or are you going to continue to jump on me? I'm going to give you that opportunity to back off. You deserve to be jumped on and you're really? going to find really, out. Really, Adam? Comments. So we had this yeah. woman, Asuka, who I've said on the show is the best women's wrestler of all freaking time. Had Probably. one of the greatest runs ever in NXT. Came yes. in with a bit of a boost on the main roster. And then, of course, had her unbeaten record taken at WrestleMania, which was built up to be a thing. You're t- so you're telling me, Adam, that you're okay with when I say, when you said who should be doing it, and I say Asuka. Instead of agreeing with me, you're okay to go, sorry, she's in the Kabuki Warriors. No, Adam, Brian, there's no sorry. Who is a, Brian, who is, here's the question. Who is available? Okay. Who Why is don't available? You tell me who's available, and after every name, I'll say better choice than Ember Moon. Maybe, but you're 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 there plucking you Ember Moon as there if is, she's Adam. that as if she's that much worse than Sonya Deville. Right. How about as this? if she's that much this, worse Adam? than Naomi? Sasha Banks. There's no one left. Sasha Banks. There's one. Number two. Have I, I agree? I would love to have Sasha two, Banks there. Written the Alexa Bliss situation differently. In fact having had built toward a SummerSlam match with Nikki Cross's involvement without having sped it up the past few weeks, okay? You're telling me they look they 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 looked Third at the time. Ter- You're telling me they 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 booked the territory 4 months ago, 6 months ago, whatever and said, "You know what? Let's do the Alexa Bliss feud now and then we'll build toward Ember Moon at SummerSlam." You're telling me that, Adam? No, they didn't. And I agree. Listen, I agree that it's an uh, that it's an underwhelming choice. I I'm not in disagreement with you. Ember Moon and Natty as the challengers for for the women's division, they're horrible. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm asking you is who's better? Who out there that is not um, Charlotte, Mandy Alexa Rose. Bliss? Because we're complaining that they're yep. always in these matches. Sasha Banks is not there right now, and Asuka. Listen, we know those are the best. We know that. I'm not complaining that it. they're always Asuka's in the matches. Busy. Who the hell else are they going right, to pick? They have it. done a t- the, the, the issue, Brian. The issue, Brian, is not Ember Moon. The issue is not Natalia. The issue is that WWE since Ronda Rousey has left since WrestleMania, has given an F about the women's division. It's true. They have not cared. They've absolutely ruined all momentum they had. How about Mandy Rose? How about somebody you could push big? Yes. You said we complain about the same people getting opportunities. I'm not complaining about it on the women's side. If this was Charlotte Flair in this spot, am I going to be upset? No, it's SummerSlam. It's freaking SummerSlam. Fans complain. I'm talking about the fans. So guess what? Those same fans who would complain about Charlotte, are they going to love Bailey and Ember Moon to open the show at 5.30 p.m. before the fans get in there? It's a it's a smart it's it's a booking for smarks and it's not good. 
I'm, I'm not I'm not in disagreement with you, but I'm in, I'm not in disagreement with you about the booking. It's bad booking. I'm in disagreement with you that Ember. The only thing that we're disagreeing about is that Ember doesn't have it. She hasn't been given any opportunity to have it. She hasn't been given any opportunity to show character, to be a heel and a face, to have a storyline okay, that matters on the main any. roster. She's been on the main roster for two years. Let's not say she hasn't. When had she any. when she was on Raw, when she was on Raw, working in and around with Nia Jax and that feud, she was getting massive cheers. She was completely over. She got hurt. Then Nia got hurt. She got moved to SmackDown. She hasn't done anything since the brand split. She got two or, months of smart NXT chairs who were happy that an NXT person got called up. And then they realized, you know what? We don't really have much here. She's a decent worker. Yeah. Oh, she they, could have had more season time on the NXT. No, they were, focusing on, they were focusing on the Becky Lynch and R- Ronda Rousey was there taking up screen time. They had to have Natalia there because she was Rousey's friend. They were focusing on Charlotte and Sasha Banks in the tag team title still. That's what happened. She was a victim of circumstance. Then she got hurt. But I, I just I don't like the assault on this Ember on Ember Moon as someone who is not worthy of being in this spot. She is as a wrestler. Her she's character not. right now isn't Adam. She's not. There's even two different as a wrestler. She's not. She's a good worker. She's not SummerSlam main event level. Come on, Adam. I'm agreeing with you. She should. Oh my God, you're not. It's like you're listening but not hearing me. She's she should not be in this match. Natty should not be in well, that. There's a lot match. of hedging going but, on here, Adam. But given but given it's not. But given. The constraints they've put on themselves by Sasha not being there, by Asuka being busy, by apparently not wanting to push Charlotte the same way they're trying not to push Roman Reigns. There are only so many options. The women's division is not deep, and it has been treated like absolute garbage since WrestleMania. And Bailey's a flat tire champion, so can we get Sasha in here already, please? We need Sasha badly, so badly. All right, Brian, Extreme Rules. Reigns-Taker match, like shockingly over-delivered in my opinion. <laughs> what was the theme of this show? Um, I'm going to have to take some else here. Uh, 2019 Taker was something I... Look, I'm just so exasperated by it. I want nothing to do with it. Nope, nope. And the ultimate thrill ride. Say it already, Mark. Will be your last. Thank you. If Mark, if you've got a few more thrill rides in you... Even me, even in the year of our Lord 2019, I will take the L because I sound ridiculous. Taker freaking delivered the speed on his transition between moves was fantastic. Reigns' ability to sell and work the underneath baby face to build toward the hot tags was not only great, Adam, this is another head scratcher. Why is this the opening match on Extreme Rules? If this had been a SummerSlam match, would I have killed it in the lead-up? Oh, hell yeah. But would I have exited SummerSlam going, that's a good-ass piece of business. That was a good-ass piece of business. I salute you, Undertaker. I salute you for caring this much. I do condemn WWE that they didn't really tie in the, well, Reigns retired this man already, but now their teammates... Eh, a little too much of that, but uh, I'm going to stand and clap and say, uh, hashtag, you've still got it, sir. Considering considering they're all about storylines, I mean, you've already pointed out twice where WWE, Michael Cole in particular, has failed to tell stories. First, you got Brock Rollins. That should all be about the cash-in. Heyman should be talking about it every time. You deserve this, Seth. You know, like, you screwed my client. It's his turn to screw. He screwed you. You know, they should have been talking about this for months, they should have been talking about it at WrestleMania leading into their match, and they just dropped the ball. You're right here again. They should have been pulling that, you know, Taker or Taker was basically retired by Reigns, his, his last WrestleMania match, right? And 
now they're just Not teammates and he week. and he's saving him and yeah there was the res- respect moment at the end but like that respect moment came out of like when did he not respect him? You know what I mean? It, 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 there was no justification for it, really. But you're right. This match was great. What it told me, what I thought was happening, especially. And look, we can talk about Kevin Dunn's camera work normally. And we can talk about even Lacey Evans. We kind of glossed over it. Him like zooming in on her butt, like full screen. But that shot of the Undertaker like slashing his throat and Drew McIntyre rising up behind him, ready to give him the Claymore. That tells me SummerSlam match. And then we'll talk about it later, what happened with Drew on Raw. That told me no SummerSlam match. So I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but if they can follow this up, and Brian, you know I'm all about Drew getting wins. I want I wanted Drew to beat Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I want Drew McIntyre to beat The Undertaker with a Claymore at SummerSlam. And if that is the if wow. that's what they're doing, that is a home freaking run That's not just like call. this match was. That, wow, I just got weird feelings I didn't think I'd get. Okay, maybe not hook the leg feelings, but you just pulled me into like excitement and any any form of that talk before Sunday night, I would have been like, take that headset off, take the L <laughs> and retire, walk away for good. And this is what makes it disappointing. The fact that Taker could look that good in a match in which he was somewhat protected, but remove the protection from that. He was quick. He got up quick. He looked great. Now he's going with the shirt. He looked great. Or I guess he does wear the shirt a lot. But it looked great is my point. So here's the deal. Over The overexposure of him lately, is it's really sad. It's sad. I mean, seeing him look bad in matches, when you look back, that last Brock feud he had was really good. Taker's appearance at the 2017 Royal Rumble was really good. The match against Reigns sucked the horn. But... Had that match only been 10 minutes, I think it would have looked great. But even with that match, what it was, we'll never replay and watch that match. Never. You'll fast forward through it instantly. You'll, you'll turn off the stream before it happens. But even yep. if even with that said, had that actually been his last match, it was a moment. They handled the ending of it right. It's just the watered down, let's have him come out and cut a promo for no reason. Let's have him do this or that. If they can go back to actually preserving The Undertaker, which is the thing that Vince has done so well for 30 freaking years, he knew early that Undertaker was not just a locker room legend, not just like a rock back there, but was arguably the greatest character ever created. No one has preserved The Undertaker more than Vince up until about 2017. He doesn't do shoot interviews except for that one in Canada or the weird one with his pastor recently. He doesn't do (laughs) anything except for how you just straight up hoard his ass out lately. Let's go back to this, Adam. I'm really okay with Taker wrestling twice a year. Let's do it, bro. If you're going to give me that type of stylings, if you're going to commit that much to not just the meat, but the bun and the cheese and those weird crispy onions, give me all of that, right? Give me the give me the Thousand Island dressing on that. Dude, I'm all into uh, blue cheeseburgers lately. They're, they're just life-changing. Oh, Good blue cheese Lord. is disgusting. Oh, how, how freaking dare you? Of course. Of it's course mold. You're you eating can't. mold. You're I eating know, mold. I know. And it's, Are you okay of with course that? you can't hear blue cheese. I mean, come on, Adam. Wow. Blue cheese is is absolutely disgusting. Wow. Um, wow. You're right. But I think what even you're missing a little bit, the match with, <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying it. The match with Kane against DX in Saudi Arabia was absolute total garbage. We know that, right? 
The match against Goldberg, Taker actually looked good. I think we forget he looked pretty good for 15 to 20 minutes of that match. There were two problems. One, it went like 30. Two, the other guy was Goldberg. And not that <laughs> Goldberg's not not that Goldberg's not capable because we saw what he did in his you know little feud with he Brock Lesnar. For seven minutes. But, but they had those right. The, they had them go nearly a half hour, and they had them doing power moves at the end of the match with Goldberg concussed doing them at the same time. So had that been a seven-minute match, a 10-minute match, I think we would have walked out of Saudi Arabia, Blood Money in the Sand 3, saying, hey, that was pretty good. Taker still got it. Instead, we just were left with the worst possible taste in our mouth for both of those guys. Now, I know that Meltzer reported at some point that the Extreme Rules match with Taker was already agreed upon. It was not a reaction to ratings or anything like that. And I, I'm assuming if he's coming back for Extreme Rules, he's coming back for SummerSlam. But I would not be surprised if Taker went to Vince and was like, look, that ruined my legacy, made me look horrible. You got to put me in something to get that taste out of the fans' mouths about me. I don't know if that's the case, but Taker has lost weight. He looks to be in great shape. And as you said, I will take that twice a year. You want to put one in Saudi, fine. Put the other at WrestleMania or SummerSlam, fine. If he can look like that for another year or two, I have zero objection with seeing The Undertaker on my screen. I That, that was a hot-ass match, and it was a great way to start Extreme Rules, BC. Um, but let's be honest. At least for me, the match that stole the show is one that we hoped would steal the show. AJ Styles winning the United States Championship against Ricochet. Now, I'm almost – it's slipping my mind. You know I don't have a great memory, BC. But it's almost slipping my mind. But there was a match – a short while ago that I thought was the greatest WWE match of the year and one of the best WWE matches of all time. But this was right up there for me. Like, I was walking away from that match trying to find a flaw. I was grading it. You were out in Los Angeles. You, know, you didn't have the opportunity. I gave that match a straight A. I can't argue with that. Their their chemistry together, as as you'd expect, given their abilities, is is insane. And I think when you add in Styles as a heel, the the, the club with him, which just it feels so good. They're not even doing anything crazy, insane. Their dialogue hasn't even been great lately, but just them interfering and being heels and being badasses, love it. The way these guys worked in sixteen minutes, good God! Like if we're it seems like we're still going that way as we saw on Monday and Tuesday but them in a featured SummerSlam match that could go 25 minutes that could actually be your match of the year now look nothing's ever going to beat what we saw earlier this year Gargano Cole won NXT takeover mania Meltzer called it the greatest WWE match of all time shocking insanely enough that's actually not hyperbole it's uh, it was so freaking good but in terms of an average rest match of the year, this one has the potential. They are perfect against one another. We can't underscore Ricochet's star power potential, like long term. Like, it's, you know, he's getting better on the mic, but he's the perfect. Like, he has the in-ring style that can work in any organization, and he did work as a junior in NJPW and was great. And we know he the work he did with Osprey all around the world was, like, transformative. But I think he actually has the perfect WWE body and style, even for yep. a Vince McMahon-run company in 2019, 
where he may end up being a better consistent match-to-match guy than AJ and Seth, like over the next, you know, year and a half, two years. I mean, he's great. This is a dream match, and it's almost kind of shoved in there as a secondary, thirdly forgotten one for the U.S. title, but this is actually a dream match, and they're delivering. My, I kind of see him and and don't, like, scoff immediately when I say it because the personalities don't match, but I kind of see him, like, a 2019 Shawn Michaels where he's he can be the guy who always gets the great match who you can always put in the feud and it's always going to work where he's not Shawn Michaels is the mic and they got to figure out a way he has to figure out a way to really develop a personality because right now his gimmick is that he's super fast and super athletic and he bounces off the walls he doesn't really have a gimmick in terms right. of who are you as a professional wrestler? And he doesn't really have a personality outside of being this humble guy who's young but is really hey, talented you just and respected. nailed it, Adam. You nailed it because when did Shawn Michaels really take off? When they gave him a relatable, real-life personality as the pompous sort of, uh, you know, dick, basically. You know, the pretty boy, whatever. The Heartbreak problem, kid. You're right. Yeah. The problem with Ricochet right now is he basically has Neville's original main roster gimmick of here's the superhero. That, and, like, hey, Vince. Like, that sucks, okay, dude? That may sell you a few t-shirts, but that sucks. You said he, they need to figure something out. How about you just let him be Trevor Mann? Because do you remember when Paul Triple H Levesque let him do that on NXT and in that feud without, with uh, the Dream? And he kind of sounded – it created this hashtag urban speak that we've spoken on this show before. I don't think that was ever a ha- I don't believe that was ever a hashtag. So shout out to Urban <laughs> Speak by the way because you know what? Trevor Man was really good at basically being like, "Hey Dream, hey Mofo, hey Mother Effer, hey you bitch ass." Like like just okay, maybe it wasn't that, but it felt like that, all right? Hey, it was I'm- a little it was a little bit more edgy. How about you little. just How about you just do that? He doesn't have to be a super I know he flips. He doesn't have to be a superhero. Do you know what he could be? An African-American male in 2019. Are you kidding me? Whoever his real personality is, let him be that. But, but jack even, it up to 12. Come on. But, but, I don't, but that's the thing. So the personality might maybe be there. But even in interviewing him, and I like him very much. He's always been great. He's given us plenty of time. I don't know that he can jack it up to 12. I don't know that he has that extra gear that Adolph Ziggler, a rock, the Miz, Shawn Michaels have. And that may be the only thing that holds him back, that maybe keeps him at a mid-card level in his career because you have to have that extra gear of personality to be a world champion in WWE. Even Baron Corbin, as much as people don't like him, on the mic, he is capable of being a guy that can get his point across and tells you the type of character he is and you can buy into him as a main eventer. AJ Styles, it as a face, it's a little bit more difficult. As a heel, it's a no-doubter that he's a main eventer. Samoa Joe, that extra personality. I don't know if Trevor Mann, as a performer, as a superstar, has that. The key will be developing it. There are plenty of people in that locker room, on-screen and off-screen. Matt Hardy, as an example. Shane Helms who can help him develop that type of character. He's still young. He's still new in WWE. But until he develops that, I don't know how far he can go. Just be yourself. By the way, speaking about him, Trevor Mann, being himself, Adam, your thoughts on his um, his ability to uh, pull in attractive female wrestlers into his, um, into his manhood? 
wrestlers. He's on a good run I mean, from, from Tessa Blanchard to Casey Catanzaro. Do you applaud that? Oh, I have, listen, full respect. No, no question about it. Big Casey fan, by the way. She hasn't really been on NXT much recently. Um, I think it's one of those situations where they like show someone that they exist and then they fine tune them before they re-debut them. But you want to talk about being a natural? I mean, obviously with her, it's more gymnastics and, and acrobatics from American Ninja Warrior. She is insanely impressive. And if she can get it together, she could be something special too. Uh, before we finish with Extreme Rules, those two tag team title matches, I got to be honest, I, I flipped. I think I gave one of them a B plus, one of them an A minus. I don't remember which. I think the, the Usos and Revival, I gave a B plus. That was a classic WWE tag team rules match where the heels won just like they would have back in the day. I, I, I freaking loved it. And then you had the SmackDown match that, again, showcased heavy machinery far better than I would have ever expected them to look. Daniel Bryan was fantastic. Biggie and Xavier Woods, first time they've ever actually won the titles as a team. Kofi's always been involved in the other five title reigns of New Day. I thought those two tag team matches, when you have AEW over here saying, we're going to do tag team wrestling right, I think WWE just followed up and said, you know what? So can we. And we have better talent. And that's ultimately the And thing. we have better teams. Like in AEW yeah. in general, and we're going to talk about them, but like they could have done their best work right now if WWE is sleeping. But if WWE is waking up in these certain categories, good Lord, they have way too much talent. They could bury anyone. And that's obviously what the whole theme of this revolution was and we hoped for. And this was a great example of that. I specifically love that SmackDown one. I love the booking too for New Day to get it. I love... Look, this was not a great show, but it was pretty damn good, and it moved along quick, and that was ultimately the best part about it. I'm with it. Too bad Monday and Tuesday had too many flat tires. That made me feel, uh, made me feel, give me the, the heart, the, is there such a thing as wrestling heartburn? Yeah, sure. We can, we can uh, start that up. I got the odds. What'd you? They gave me the odds. What did you think? Uh, what did you think about the, uh, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, Last Man Standing? Cause you know, I was all about the angle. So do you think that delivered at least to my expectations? I didn't love it. A lot of people loved it. I had one of my best friends in the world, Josh, a big listener of this show, big time listener of the show. Good God, this guy loves this show. Was all over me about how what's that? That was great business. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, you you, you kind of we kind of nailed it. They should have saved that explosion spot on night one of Heyman for this pay per view. Um, yeah, I, I thought it would have been better if that if Lashley had won. And then that led him into a, a win in that battle royal to cash in that MMA fighter versus MMA fighter thing at SummerSlam. That would have been or more he, than fine with that. He didn't even need to be. They didn't even need to have the battle royal. If he just beats bon, Braun Strowman and Lesnar's out there and they're bragging and he's like, I'm your challenger. You can beat me in the octagon or the ring, you know, and, and then you have a match and you have Seth do something else and everyone's happy. And so it would have worked. I think not having Lashley when that was ridiculous. Well, it was another situation of Strowman winning. The the spot, the idea of the spot to end them, I thought the match was very good. I think I gave it a B or B plus. It was very, very good. The ending of that match, the idea was almost identical to the Shane McMahon Miz suplex at WrestleMania where it's two guys falling into nothingness. The problem, and Silver King just so happened to have a source at the Wells Fargo Center giving him a little bit of information on it, the ending was botched, not by the wrestlers, by the production crew, they showed the huge, massive, like six foot tall pad that Lashley and Strowman fell into, completely ruining yep. that looking cool. 
it did look cool initially when they went into nothingness. And then if they had just had that and had Strowman punch out of it, it would have worked. But there was too much light. Um, and having Strowman ultimately win, well, it's I, just like a, it's an eye roller. It's another situation where Strowman wins and doesn't have a title match after. So the problem, my problem with it in general is it's too much retreading. It's too much of a like the brawls that they had in the in the stands and stuff. That's become sort of a raw staple. If you're building toward a hot feud, you sort of either have a no rules match or you have some kind of brawl around the arena. We've seen a bit too much of it, and then to have a spot which was a junior version of the Miz WrestleMania spot, it's like, okay, we kind of just did this, guys. What are we doing here? Yeah, like they after coming up with that great stage spot on Raw, they couldn't have come up with anything else. Anything else? I mean, hell. Collapse the ring again. I know they wouldn't do it in that spot. Break off a uh, break off a piece of the I mean, the barricade spot was actually really cool. Going the opposite way when he like speared him through the barricade the wrong way. Do something with the announce tables. Do I don't know. Do something with the stage. Let him lift up a piece of the stage and bury him underneath it. You got to be more creative than just a huge thick foam black rubber pad and you know a spear into it. You got to do better than that. BC, there's a lot of show left. We're still gonna talk. A lot of stuff that happened on Raw and SmackDown. But before we do, we got to hear a quick word from our friends and sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, BC, we're back. The other big event, and there were a couple that happened this week, but the other big one that I know you want to talk about is AEW Fight for the Fallen. And we gave it, I think, a fair assessment in our preview leading up to it. But, you know, you want to talk about taking the L's and admitting you're wrong? Why don't you talk to me about AEW Fight for Wow, the look at, look at, so Silver King enjoyed that. Silver King has been waiting all week to tee me up with that. Wow. And I'm sure everyone out there picked up on that. Silver King, you can't wait for AEW to fail. Just a minute. You can't wait. I, I do not want it to fail. And I'm going to tell you something before you talk, even though I set you up really nicely there. Um, I'm going to tell you something. So I have graded on our website, cbssports.com, both of the last two AEW events, the Firefest and Fight for the Fallen. Okay, because you you were busy and Jack was busy as well. He usually does some of that stuff. I was very harsh about Firefest, as you remember on this show. I didn't think the matches were as good as people thought. I thought a lot of it was super corny and so on. I got probably like seven or eight random people who don't even listen to this show who found my Twitter account from the story page and tweeted at me that I'm a WWE mark. I hate AEW and all this stuff. People that don't know me at all. Okay. Did you block them? This, Did you find their Twitter account? No, no, because they, they were nobodies. No. Uh, for Fight for the Fallen, I actually graded some of the matches pretty high. I was entertained by the in-ring action, despite not loving the show. And I got like five or six messages on Twitter. Same people, not, not listeners to the show, just people who randomly found me saying, oh, you're just an AEW Mark fanboy. You, lo- you love everything they do. I'm like, guys, like you definitely don't know me if that's the case. So... I just thought it was really funny how I tried to give them a little bit more credit this week than I did at Firefest, and man, they 
did not deserve it. Wow. 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 Um, yeah, I got some things to say here. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Uh, that wasn't a revolution. And so, look, let's set the tone. What I said last week. I said I don't have high, I don't have low expectations. I have none. Because this was a weird in-between fight for the Fallen. Same thing as Fight Fest. It was just sort of a, let's keep ourselves in the headlines. We'll give it to you for free. But I, what I've said does ring true. So I'm going to preface it by saying, until they have a weekly show on TNT, we cannot really judge them. They know how to sell out uh, cards in big wrestling cities really fast. And they've proven twice if you count all in as also an AEW production, which it wasn't, but you get the point. They've proven sure. twice that they can deliver with a big pay-per-view, okay? This was a massive step back to the momentum of what they have been doing. Fight Fest was not perfect, but there were enough feels and elements toward what we expect the AEW product to be that there were things to be like, man, I need that weekly show now. I think this card, almost top to bottom, was a warning track power watered down step back. Now, I can't, I got to stand by my own words and not judge it super harshly because it's not a massive show. It was in some tiny music theater. It wasn't a giant ordeal. But even for what it was, it did not represent their potential well at all. And it gave you the kind of fears. Just as Double or Nothing, Adam, gave you the kind of excitement that this could actually be a WWE competitor, like they actually creatively have the horses and the know-how to possibly compete. This was the exact opposite. This gave you that, oh my God, am I putting too much stock in them? Is this really an indie t-shirt company? Are these wrestlers really ready for prime time? It's not that they didn't have big talent in big spots, but these were matches that just A, didn't deliver, B, went on too long. I mean, 31 minutes for the Bucks and the Rhodes brothers was just not acceptable. It really wasn't acceptable. There were some good moments in there, but to not have it lead to something massive, and then on top of it, to cut short the post-fight promo, which may have potentially explained things better of where we're going from this, to cut that short with a public service message about our charity. Which, guys, okay, it's noble, it's cool. But it the same so thing, the same thing that we ripped WWE for, for being so over the top with breast cancer segments that don't belong on Raw. You want to have it in a 30-second vignette when you're heading to commercial about, hey, this past weekend we raised this for the... That's fine, whatever. Cannot be a segment on Raw. You know what I'm saying? This was different, but the same. This was cringe. This was cringe. I have nothing against raising money for gun victims. I have nothing against bringing out Shad Khan afterwards with a check. This went on too long. It was awkward. It was a lot of, hey, look at us. WWE's fake, but we're for real. Here's the thing, Cody. That I don't care about that. I don't care about that at all. I care about your wrestling product looking more real than WWE does in fake scenarios. I don't really care where the money goes. I don't give a damn where the money goes. So you cut off what was the reason why we watched the show, the Bucks and the Rhodeses, in a match that went on way too long, and you cut off a potential, hey, let's see where we're going next, to brag. And it's not that I did not love Cody's the spirit of Cody's promo afterwards. It was in, it was almost like ECW Heyman. It got oh, you on. no from this standpoint. 
from the standpoint of getting the fans to buy in, just like Paul Heyman would get the wrestlers to buy in in ECW, that they are a part of a revolution. They are a part of something that's taking over. They're the, they're the David that's their, against that's the That's their Goliath. success. I've said it here a million so times. From yeah. that point, Cody nailed that. But even Kenny going on to that long, extended, oh, I don't think I should do the goodnight bang, which, by the way, you should not do the goodnight bang when you're raising money for gun victims. No. But then to do it, but not do it, but kind of do it, and to say the word adieu about 37 times, cringe to the nines, <laughs> brother. All right? So you, Adam Silver King, and anyone that is somehow not Team BC says, well, he doesn't say anything negative about the revolution. You know why I am a revolution guy? Because WWE over the past year has sucked. And they don't get it. And they don't realize how good NXT is. And they don't realize that they're wasting my time. So, yes, I am ready to cling on to anyone else who is not wasting my time. Who can push this genre forward. AEW, when they get their weekly TV show, may be that. Or maybe, Adam, they may just be something else that we watch. Either way, I'm with them. I'm for them. This was a massive L. Massive. It set back the spirit of what they're doing. It made them look small. I am not for what happened in Jacksonville outside of raising money for victims. That's great. It's noble. But this is an entertainment company. Entertain me, brother. Because, Adam, do you know what? This further nailed my biggest fear. That the revolution will be televised. Yeah, that's great. But the revolution is splintered. Because the meat of the revolution is still in Japan. It really is, Adam. Yep. It was the Bucks, and it was Kenny, and it was Cody who could do the sauce on the steak better than anybody. They could do BTE to get you excited about Japan more than anybody. They could sell t-shirts and Hot Topic. They could create a culture of cool, which they do great, right? But the comedy's getting a little too cringe lately. And the meat of the revolution is still in Japan. And that's the bottom line. So if I'm AEW and I'm a really smart guy like Tony Khan, we say to ourselves, we don't have the horses of the Okadas and all them, but we got Kenny Omega. We got John Moxley. We can give a hybrid product of what people love about WWE and NXT and what they love about the indies and mix it together. But it's got to be different than WWE because if it's poor man's WWE, it ain't going to work. It's not even poor man's WWE. I mean, that was, it was pandering garbage. And you absolutely nailed it at the end of that little bit of a rant that you had right there, which is saying the steak is in Japan. They were always the sauce. They're the sizzle. And they always have been. And we knew that when we said, hey, Brian, the G1 is coming up. Wrestle Kingdom's coming up. Why aren't we so excited for it as we have been in the past? And the reason is because we were watching Being the Elite and it was playing to an American audience. It was the integration of the sizzle that these guys have with the stake that NJPW provides with all of its professional wrestling that really melded together and made that home run. But what I saw on Saturday, it was a look at us. We're cool. We're trying to be different, but we're actually, honestly, we're not all that good. Because when Hangman Page is the guy you're trying to push forward, and God forbid if they put the title on him 
instead of Chris Jericho at All Out, that would be a massive mistake. But if Hangman Page no, is your sh- no, it, it would be if he's your shining young star, and it's not Kenny Omega, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. As far as Omega's concerned, that Shima match was great. I honestly thought it was great. I was completely entertained by it. Um, it was the Kenny Omega that we simply have not seen since Japan. And yes, I understand he's a Japanese man, Shima, who you know wrestles in China. I get it, but that's not the that's not the comparison I'm making. But it's the match quality, the match style that we want from Kenny Omega. I have no doubt he's going to wrestle John Moxley very well. I have no doubt future matches against Page and against Penta. You know, Penta is stuck in this tag team division. Phoenix is stuck in this tag team division right now. I have no doubt that I will be entertained by professional wrestling matches that AEW puts on. But here's the truth. Not every show is double or nothing. Not every show is all out or all in. You need to be able to put on com- compelling weekly products. And Firefest and Fight for the Fallen are the closest that of, of the events that we've seen, which we don't, we don't really have them, obviously. It's the closest we're getting to a non-big show product. Fight for the Fallen to me was just like the first two-thirds of Double or Nothing. It was a little bit worse. Oh, Double or Nothing was a little, a little bit better. The, the first two-thirds, not the final three matches. I was, I'm staying by so my wrong. opinion. So wrong the first two-thirds of that show, it was just, the, was this is wrestling. Energy, Adam. There's different energy. Some of, it's, some of it's good. There was a different energy. You're right. Double or Nothing had a much better energy. Um, some of it's good. Most of it's meh. The women's division does not compare at all to WWE, despite us just recently crapping on it. It doesn't even hold a candle to it. The tag team division has the Lucha Bros. It has the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have never been my cup of tea. But Brian, as I said, it felt to me like it was pandering. The promo that the Young Bucks cut after that way too long, as you said, match against the road saying, I don't know, and I didn't say WWE specifically, I don't know what you guys were doing over there, but to me, you're one of the best tag teams in the world. No, no, look, they're not. They're not a top. They're not a top twenty tag team. You're using this standpoint to 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 try to extra bury them, and that's fine. And and look, I'm saying exactly. Cody's actually giving you. I'm not saying anything different because Cody kind of pandered to himself by putting himself in the main event here with Dustin. And then go in 31 minutes and then setting up what you just said, which is like, uh, let's brag about ourselves, you know, being amazing. That's a little bit too far. Um, I think you're still wrong on double or nothing. Another different argument. That's fine. A different That's different day. Yeah. But, um, I didn't think they used the talent that they had well. That's really my problem. No, their women's division is not as deep as WWE, but I think they showed at double or nothing that at the very top, they got a couple that can really work and have potential oh, yeah. to give you good stuff. The problem is, you know what I don't need? I don't need Awesome Kong and Asia Kong or whatever um, staring each other down, and that's a big moment. No, I don't need Joshi six-man, six-women tag team matches. I don't need a lot of this stuff. I think some of their best talent was buried on this card in six-man tags. Darby Allen yep. showed me against Cody at Fight Fest that there's a lot there. Yeah, we'd seen him on the indies, but he went up to a higher level against Cody. You can really do things with him. Let's do things with him. You know what I'm saying? So I just felt like it was a little bit. Um, and they did, they did the six man tag to put Sean Spears over. And it's like you, you haven't pushed him enough or see, I haven't seen enough of him to care that he wins that match. 
Uh, dude, but you, I'm agreeing you, with you, you can't rip on Hangman Page, dude. I mean, you're you're saying they didn't put. I'm him not ripping on him. No, no. no. Let me. I want to clarify that because I did rip him. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he doesn't have a future. He's going to be great. Okay, but it seems like they're putting all of the eggs in his basket without giving him the platform to succeed. Like yes. like they're putting him in a match with Jericho, and the match is leading up to it for him. Like Kip Sabian match. Yeah, I mean, I don't need a Kip like, Sabian match. You know what I also don't need? Put him against someone good. Let him win. Show me that he's going to really be deserving to fight legitimately one of the best wrestlers of all time in Chris Jericho. I also kind of didn't need a WWE style Jericho running again. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, look, I want AEW to be different. And, and again, there's only so many ways you can be different, right? So I'm not expecting something so like lucha underground that we've never seen before you know a new way of shooting it a new way of it no like nxt's proven that really good simplistic stuff is brilliance but this show actually almost felt a little bit too wwe at times and even though i'm happy that you loved omega and shima i actually watched most of that match there were certain people that were texting me going hey i've never seen a kenny omega match before this is my first one there were moments where I'm like, well, don't judge it by this. This is not my favorite Kenny Omega match by any means. Oh, no. When I no, saw no, the no. highlight package at the end, I started, okay, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. It was better. I didn't. Oh, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't even love that match. So this card scares me a little bit. But, Adam, I got to go by my own words. Until we have a weekly product, we can't judge them. But, oh, we will judge them when they have that. And they still have a big opportunity to be a major player. They still have a way to look at what is WWE not doing right now that the fans want that we should be doing. I actually think that should be a big part of their foundational structure. Yes. I know there's people that, no, we're not competing with them. Well, then why are you in this game? Of course you're competing with them. So be different. But, but don't look minor league. Don't look AAA level. You can still put over young guys, but let's, let's try a little harder. I mean, we got to be honest, though, also, at the end of the show, right? I mentioned you know, the promo of the Young Bucks and calling the Rhodes one of the best tag teams ever, which is just blatantly false and pandering and ridiculous. And and it, it gave them an opportunity to say, I don't know what they were doing with you guys at WWE, but blah, blah, blah. And then you have the Cody promo at the end, which we're kind of glossing over a little bit, like uh, about counter-programming and so on and so forth. Brian, they have made, like, the ends – of some of their shows about WWE. The, I, sh I should not be thinking about WWE at the end of Fight for the Fallen, whether I liked it or whether I don't. They're basically making two WWE references in the final five minutes of airtime. Guys, we want, we want you to succeed because we want you to succeed. We don't care about WWE failing. Let's not forget C uh, Cody and the th Thronebreaker stuff. So this is now twice that Cody has had big moments, two moments on three shows, where what people are talking about is WWE. And I know you may not like the phrase, you know, Triple H and WWE are living rent-free in his head. Fine. But they're in his head somehow. He can't stop himself. Well, look, they're, they're, that take, I see it a lot in our DMs. It hurts. It's hurting him. I get it's hurting it their product. I from the standpoint that if you're going to say from a company decision, we want to be different from WWE, so let's not mention WWE. Let's be so different and unique that people are talking about us. There's two ways to do it, Adam. You either do that, and you have to be all in on that, but I also think if you want to do the opposite and make it a war, I'm entertained by wars. I'm entertained by Eric Bischoff doing 
doing sneaky things in the 90s to make it a war. So I almost, though, say be one or the other. And if you're going to make it a war and about that, I'm not against mentioning WWE or crapping on them or anything, but I am against when your platform is to say, we're charitable. WWE's fake charitable. We're real charitable. Like, shut the get the and, hell out of here. And like, and by the way, don't tell don't tell me you're real charitable when like while you're announcing it, you're like, yeah, Shad Khan, our multi billionaire owner, gave ten thousand yeah, dollars yeah. to to this to this charity, and then your lawyer, your Jacksonville lawyer sponsor, who is probably Shad Khan's lawyer, gave another ten thousand dollars. And your entire check is a hundred thousand. I am not crapping on giving a hundred thousand dollars to charity. That is fantastic. Good for them. Oh, I get but what you you're mean. right. It felt you... a little underwhelming to, to blow up a giant check for one hundred fifty thousand. It felt a little underwhelming with a billionaire on with a that, billionaire on stage. That's not. That is not wrong, Adam. That is not wrong at all. It's just it. It was. It was to me. It was completely pandering. And as I said, with the Cody stuff, it's just you have to choose, as you said, your lane here. You can't have Chris Jericho going on an interview. I think it was with Collider, where he says, well, you know, we're not at war with WWE, but WWE thinks they're at war with us. That's not the case, and that's not what's being shown on two of your three pay-per-view or, or, or live events to this point. So, guys, put out, worry about putting out a better product than Fight for the Fallen and better than the Being the Elites that you've put out for the last few months that have not been good. I would just worry about down. putting out good product. I would take those down and make the road to ones, which they do well, make the road to ones your focus. There's no need to have two shows. That's weird in, in a sense. And here's the thing. I just want to double down on what I said about burying talent on the undercard. On Helico and Jack Evans, jump off the screen when I see them. So I don't need them in a triple threat tag team match. Do you know what I'm saying? I may need them in a feature tag team match. Like, put them against the Lucha Brothers in a feature match for whatever your tag team belt is. And I know I know we're building toward a longer tournament. I, I get all that. But what I'm saying is you have unique things like Luchasaurus. You can't look at Luchasaurus and not be like, oh, wow, guy's jacked. He's got tats. That's a unique look. Feature these guys. Maybe pull back a little bit on Dustin now if we don't have something emotional to do. Sunday, Saturday night was not emotional. It was a... I'm going to prove to you that I still have it. I think I just proved it a little bit too hard. I think I tried too hard. So whatever. It is what it was. But look, WWE is aware of this competition, and they have made sort of counter things to it. And it it, it is a competition. We can't lie to that. They competed on Saturday with the Evolve show. I only have so many hours in a week. I've been traveling like a madman. I barely caught up on the stuff we're going to talk about. But, Adam, I do want to hear how good was that Evolve show. Well, I was going to save that for the field spot later, but I'll talk about it. Um, okay, Cody, you, you can't counter-program against AEW Fight for the Fallen. Well, WWE did, and it was far better. Like, far better. Now, the first half of the Evolve show, and I'm not going to give too much away. I do want you to be able to watch it fresh, Brian. The first half well, of the I'll show, put it on my playlist it's a lot after of the uh, May it, Young classic that you're trying to get me to watch. <laughs> it's a lot of young. That's a mistake on your part. Then it's a lot of young talent that is just not ready, and it's an it's they're the minor leagues because they're the minor leagues. That's just the truth, okay? But there was a lot of stuff to take away from that show that was truly entertaining. They carried an NXT angle on in the main event that was extremely exciting. Um, Paul Heyman showed up. To cut a great promo, obviously, Gabe, the, the founder of Evolve, it was one of his underlings originally at an ECW. And Austin 
freaking theory. I said this about a year ago, and it's not a unique take. This guy is a hybrid John Cena, Randy Orton. He will be a WWE champion. He may be one of the brightest things that WWE has in its overall universe. And I say that knowing full well that you guys are aware of my opinion of Velveteen Dream. This Austin Theory kid, I think he's 22 years old. He has it. I'm going to say it again. He has it. It was such a bright... It was such a bright spot on this show. Man, like, I want you just to watch it for him. You can actually I don't even skip know the rest him, of it. To be honest with you. And anyone, you know, I, I, I always be honest with you guys. I wasn't woke on Pentagon until we saw him that first time. I'm not woke on him, but you right. might be excited to check this guy out. He's legitimately great. And I did, from top to bottom, enjoy the Evolve show. They treated it like a big deal because it was a big deal for them. And WWE, to their credit, and yeah, they were counter programming and whatever. Um, but to their credit, they promoted it like it was a big deal. The Matt, oh, the, the match I didn't talk about. Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak. Holy cow. That's yeah. the match you have to watch, Brian. Well, I always show. really liked Evolve, and I've seen a couple shows live, and I, and I saw, I mean, I always referenced that 2016 SummerSlam weekend show when it, when it was, uh, Alistair Black as Tommy End against Matt Riddle. I mean, I saw Cedric Alexander, Zack Sabre Jr., saw Cody and Chris Hero in the main event. I mean, I saw some insanely good matches. Um, I, I do want to check that out because I just recently watched that Evolve documentary that's out there. I think Viceland may have done it. It's a, it follows- it's about, it's, it's actually mostly about, yeah, it is about Evolve. Austin Theory plays a huge role in that. Darby yeah. Allen's in that. I've seen the first half of it, and I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, I will check that out, Adam. Definitely love it. Well, you got a, ch- you got a chance to check out that I have not. NJPW G1 Climax 29, the last, I guess, three shows of it. I have not had a chance to see them. I did watch the first one, obviously, in Dallas. Um, you know, I don't think you've watched everything yet, but BC, what takeaways do you have from what you've seen that we need to discuss. Yeah, we talked about their day one in Dallas from last week. There's been three shows up to this point as we record this. I did get a chance to watch both of the Dean Ambrose, John Moxley matches in which he's 2-0 and here. He looks great. Good Lord, Tai Chi's a weirdo. And I know it's, he's doing it on purpose, but um, this gimmick is kind of working, Adam. Tai Chi's kind of getting over to me. He's so freaking weird. It's ridiculous. But um, look, the, the Moxley-Jeff Cobb match like didn't, reach my expectations of what I thought it could be, but I'm happy with the way they're presenting Mox up to this point. You know I pop for Toriano. Adam, please, 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 <laughs> after this, it's short as all Toriano matches are. Go watch Toriano and Naito from day one of the uh, of the of of their first match there in the B block on July 13th. It's just the highest of high comedies. It's, it's some of the best Toriano gimmicks that we've seen in order to pull off an upset victory in which he's just known for. Guys like him are such staples in this tournament to offset the high volume uh, that we see inside the ring. I'm really excited to get it to really sink my teeth in here. The matchups are going to be fantastic. I'm very, very, very just getting a taste on it, skipping around. I know people probably expect more. I know a lot of our listeners are popping and they're watching each and every morning. Next week, we will be more up to speed. But how things are looking right now in the standings, not necessarily surprised. Well, maybe it's a little weird that Kota Ibushi and Zack Saber and Ace Tanahashi don't have any points, but we see those early we see those early upsets. We see, we know how that rolls. I still don't have a feel for who's going to come out of it or who's the one that they're necessarily pushing at a star this time around. Except for this, Adam, I watched Juice Robinson and Shingo Tagaki 
It's a great match. It's everything you expect it would be. Juice is a freaking star. And it jumped off the screen even more than it already has. And I know we loved our interview with him where he's just so loose and cool and like whatever. And I made a bold claim in there that some people don't like. Our own Jack Crosby got on me for it. I think Juice is a top 10 wrestler in the world. I think that 100%. He is an incredible worker. Does the baby face underneath stuff so well. There's so many little nuances to his to his game, his working punches, everything that you love. And he can cut a insanely great promo and they're real and they're raw and they're F-filled heavy. Watch this Shingo match and tell me, just try to tell me that not only this guy doesn't have world title, IWGP level main event, Wrestle Kingdom one day against all those old Japanese names potential, but I'm not sure that he's not coming out of the B block now, Adam. And I think as a personal crusade, as who's the guy I'm cheering for, I am all in on the juice. The juice is loose. I'm pouring it all over my body parts. In fact, I'm in Vegas. It's 109 degrees. I got swamp ass. You better believe the folks from Ballsy have outfitted me properly with the sack spray and the nut rub and the ball wash. But I need some of that juice as well <laughs> to refresh myself. Give me Rez's thing stand right now and they won't do it. Yeah, no, they won't do it. But give me a Will Ospreay juice final. Good Lord. Wow. Yeah, they're not doing that. I, I can't speak to Juice, his performance yet, but, I mean, going into it, I can tell you he is most certainly not a top 10 wrestler in the world. But Adam, maybe I, my I mind may, will change. I maybe my mind will change. To, I may need you to ten, tell me 10 guys that, that are a better wrestler in the world than him. I may actually need that from you. I mean, because... I could probably name, I could probably name 10 in New Japan. I mean... Like, I mean, I... Sometimes when we're talking about these New Japan guys, and look, I'm all in on New Japan. My top five wrestlers in the world right now, maybe six all compete in New Japan if we can include Kenny. So I get it. But sometimes with these New Japan guys, you're going to get into an argument with a more traditional hardcore WWE fan who are going to be like, well, that's great. But when was the last time Ace Tanahashi cut me a great promo in English, brother? So I get that. I think Juice balances that even better than some of those top-end Japanese guys. Juice is a great promo, but the truth about most of the Japanese guys actually is even in Japanese translated. They ain't great promos. So to me, growing up in America, as you have, uh, wrestling is about more than just athleticism and in-ring ability. And Juice is about more than obviously athleticism I'm glad that you and in-ring ability. But Lacey let's not Evans. like Thank let's you. not detract like how good of a wrestler Daniel Bryan is and how great of a promo Daniel Bryan is. I mean, all right, I want to have this talk real quick right now. Gun to your head. Who's a better in-ring wrestler, Daniel Bryan or Juice Robinson? Daniel Bryan. Not not true. Not true. True. Not true. Very true. It's it's just not true. Like it is. I, I'll put a poll on Twitter. It's just not true. If people are woke on both, Juice is a provides more exciting matches. He's a better worker. He does the power and the high flying style. He's got it. You're all. watching Juice against Japanese professional wrestlers in New Japan. Yeah. In many cases, you're watching Daniel Bryan against Otis. I mean, today talking uh, about today, don't, obviously. Don't. You're not really getting Daniel Bryan, Johnny Gargano. Uh, So let's just, I mean, let's be honest. What what about the Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar match? It was fan-freaking-tastic, to quote you. I mean, you're not seeing Daniel Bryan match by match right now against opponents that that Juice Robinson is facing. And if you did, 
you wouldn't even ask that question. I think he's a better worker, man. I think he's I think he's legitimately top ten. I mean, he's not better than a Gargano and and some of the the very best in NXT. Not better than a Styles. I think he's close with Rollins, though. I think he's actually close with Rollins. Okay, so you just named at least three WWE wrestlers. He's not better than at least three. Yeah, I think. I don't think he's better. I don't think he's better than Brian Okada. Osprey, Abushi, no, no, right. Naito. All right, you're filling up my top ten right now. I mean, he's right. he's not top ten. Yeah, I mean, is he? Ten, but, I think but, he's but, the tenth best be, wrestler but, in the world. But does he? But does he have a case for top twenty? Absolutely. No, I think he's actually, as we record this, the tenth best wrestler in the world. Okay, I I, I didn't even think about it, and he's not. Kenny. Yeah. Pentagon. Yeah, those are they're in there. Uh, we just nailed the ten. That's the <laughs> we're, 10 all, right we're over there. ten. We're all over. We're no, over we're ten without even 10. mentioning Juice. We're actually in ten right there. It's perfect. I mean, Seth is falling. Adam, here's the deal. Seth is falling. Seth is falling. Yeah. Both in the ring and on the mic, he needs yep. to go heel to remind us who he is. It's time. Well, yes. it would be ideal for him to go heel, but the truth is, it's a crutch. We say it about everyone, like, "Oh my God, if they just went heel, they'd be so much better." Put guys in a in a situation in which they can succeed. And by the way, a couple minutes ago, I'm glad that you said it's not always just about your in ring if you're a pure WWE fan, which is why Lacey Evans is a freaking star. I'm not saying it's not only about WWE, and it's not or not only about in ring versus zero in ring are two completely different things, as I showed you. With Elias, hey, what'd the you VC. What do you think of um, Enzo and Joey Janela getting into a fight at that Blink One Eighty Two show? Oh, we already discussed that. Oh, did we? All right, just uh... and yeah. Let me be I'm on Joe. I got that hot sauce. Come on, somebody signed this man already. It's time. That's a no-brainer for me to be on Joey Janela's side. VC, if people think we've argued so far, man, whew, we might get a little more because we have to go back old school to our favorite segment, Hero or Zero. All right, BC, somehow we're like an hour plus into the show, and we have not talked about The Fiend Bray Wyatt debuting, redebuting, whatever you want to call it, on Raw, taking out Finn Balor one day after Balor lost the Intercontinental title to Shinsuke Nakamura on the Extreme Rules kickoff show in a match I graded C+. Uh, Balor is reportedly taking time off after SummerSlam to recharge, which explains the title change and why he might be the opponent for Bray Wyatt coming up at SummerSlam, but BC... Hero or zero to this debut for The Fiend? Um, I had one noise going on inside of me. Oh, my God. I finally just watched this last night. Josh, if you're listening, you I have 58 text messages from you to watch this so you can tell me your hot take about it. Here's mine, brother. Adam, we had so many fears of would the funhouse translate to the ring? And yes, this is not a match yet. It translated. It translated so freaking good. It was gnarly and raw and a little bit scary. I'm actually going to tell you, I'm a grown-ass man who's turning 41 in two weeks. It's 2019. When they stared into that mask for the last five seconds, I actually felt things inside of me. I actually was like a little spooked out, Adam. That's how you know it worked. The finisher was perfect. Bray is in insanely good shape. Here's what I picked up on, though. They borrowed a couple things from Sanity to make it look that good. The flashing of the lights 
very sanity. So you never get a real feel at what you're looking at. It looks scarier than it is. And the timing of Bray's laugh during that was very sanity theme song. Go back and listen to it and you'll see what I'm saying. And I'm not saying it to downgrade at all what 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 they did with Bray there. If they somehow listened to that song and went, this should be on Bray or however it worked, all we know is that Vince looked at Sanity and said, you know what, I got nothing for you. I'm going to break you guys apart and you can go to opposite ends of our company when they had something there, by the way, in NXT. That's fine. It was insanely a hero. In fact, the only thing that could make me upset about it is if we're going into a SummerSlam feud where Finn will become the demon and we're doing weird supernatural guy against weird supernatural guy, unless they have some great booking where Finn will eventually get brainwashed and join this funhouse. I really want him to be against the purest of purest, like John Cena type of guy. I don't want John Cena, but you get what I'm saying. A pure yeah. character in his own name going against the spooky, insane, manipulative, crazy man here. They presented a character better, Adam, in that moment then like you, I could be hyperbolic. I don't really know what to compare it to. Name me the last time a reveal of a character. And I know we'd seen him in those vignettes, but a reveal of a character was that impressive that you, that you just, you, you bought in so hard on that meat. You know what I'm saying? Like there's bones stuck in your teeth. You bought in so hard. Yeah, I, I can't. I really can't. I don't know. Um, certainly not recently. There's no question about that. I mean, maybe the Funkasaurus. Uh, no, I, I don't know. That was that's kind of where we thought they were going. Obviously, with with the faking it out there. Um, it was great. It was just great. And I really hope. So it's a hero. Uh, I really hope that they don't forget the Mister Rogers Firefly Funhouse side of his persona. I hope that almost he can come out to the Firefly Funhouse theme as Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt and almost fight like Yano and then also <laughs> come out to a fiend theme and fight as the as the fiend depending on the match, depending on the situation, but you nailed it for SummerSlam. What they really need to do is the fiend against Finn Balor. Let Finn Balor go away for a couple months, have him eventually come back as the demon to try to take out the fiend. That's what you do. Balor apparently after SummerSlam has requested two months off. The timing makes sense. Whether that next match takes place at Survivor Series, whether you hold the return of the demon for the Royal Rumble, I don't know what you do, but it's a really good way for Balor to have lost a couple times to Nakamura, which gets rid of the title and now gets humiliated slash, you know, depressed from losing to The Fiend, and then goes away. I like the idea of Balor going in as a pure white meat baby face into the match, saying, I don't need the demon, this guy's fake, he could never compare to me, nothing to be scared of, and getting crushed by The Fiend. That's how I would do it. I love it. I love it. I need more of it. Don't ruin it. Number two, Adam, hero or zero, Natalia became the number one contender, as we mentioned before, to the Raw Women's Championship after winning a heavily booed fatal four-way against Alexa, Carmella, and Naomi, is Natalia a good challenger for Becky Lynch? We've already said that's a zero. But talk to me about the disrespect that this match got. Did it deserve it? And did this kind of play a part in sinking the overall Raw episode around it, hero or zero? 
yeah, look, I'm not one for like this is boring or this is awful chance. But if you're ever going to do them, this was the match. It's a hero. I mean, you're telling me that the after not showcasing I, the one thing I liked about this match is they actually stuck to the wild card rule or they stuck to the superstar shakeup and only had raw women in the match. So for that reason, it was pretty good. That was cool. What I hated was none of these women had any reason whatsoever to be in the match. Carmella was non-existent on TV outside of helping our truth. Naomi's done nothing. Natalia's done absolutely nothing. If you're going to have this fake brand split with the wild card rule and you're going to allow Alexa to compete for the SmackDown Women's Championship, then what you do in this match is you probably have Alexa and Nikki Cross and like a Mandy Rose and a Liv Morgan, people who can wrestle and can, who, who can put on good matches, and you have Nikki Cross win and have Alexa be jealous that Nikki Cross has won and Nikki Cross is a capable wrestler who would be great in a feud with Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. That was the answer here. In terms of the match, it was freaking horrible. I think it was like 20 minutes. It was full of rest holds. You have Alexa, who's a non-wrestler in there. Naomi, Carmella, and Natalia, they're all perfectly fine. But you're doing an elimination match with these four and having it go 20 minutes just for your dumb commercial rule where you could have done this in like seven minutes or, or 10 minutes as a regular match. And if you want Natalia to win, then have Natalia win. But the booking of this match was terrible. Whoever booked it, I, I don't advocate anyone ever getting fired. You should get a demotion. You should not be in the job of booking matches, main roster matches, particularly number one contenderships. So WWE, pick a path. Pick a path with the wild card rule. Pick a path with what you're doing with this women's division. What I will tell you, that ain't it. So the disrespect, I don't like fans doing it. I understand Alexa was upset. I saw her like, shedding tears ringside the disrespect was a hero it deserves it deserves disrespect the match was a total zero quick word here from it's grant at got to bg this guy's always sliding in this guy's consistent uh he nailed what he i'm just gonna read it here it was a monster zero he says that four-way women's match might have been the lowest point for the women in years they had done such a good they had done such a poor job building any of the women or giving them a backstory, and they only used Rhonda to give Becky and Charlotte the rub. So now every program just feels less than, especially less than, especially the SmackDown title. Is it time to just make it one women's division and have the champ just float? Uh, no, Grant, it's time to kind of just book good things again. You have the talent. Now, one thing, Adam, that I will say the Liv Morgan thing, we don't have any other room to talk about this on Tuesday on SmackDown, was great. Not only yes. because, A, you only live once. Not only because, B, we have said it in the past, Adam. Would you, in fact, risk it all? Um, Yes, okay? Nope, it's, would not. It's 2019. We are men. That's, this is what men do, okay? Nothing face-to-face, all right? Yes, okay. Wow, that was gross. All right, here we go. And three... Because it's somebody they haven't really done much with and haven't given a solo run to. Do you know when I popped? Do you know when I really popped, Adam? When she tore the headset off Corey Graves' head and delivered the kind of emotional promo that says, something's happening here. I need to be here when it happens. Obviously, in theory, a Live in Charlotte feud, if that's where they're going, does not pop you. But the fact that they're putting something into it 
I'm fired the hell up for Liv Morgan here. It's not difficult to develop characters. Like, this is a perfect example of it. And it's the thing they have not done. I'm not going to relitigate the argument. But it's what they have not done with Ember Moon. Like, they had them push her video game system down and had her get mad. And that's the only character development they've given this woman on her entire main roster run. Just that little bit for Liv Morgan gave me so much hope for her character long term. And it gets me interested when I see her next week. I'm interested what she's going to be. I don't expect her to have a blue tongue anymore. I don't expect her to have pink hair. And by the way, the fact that she's still doing a Harley Quinn gimmick like three years after that movie came out already tells you that they needed to switch up that uh, gimmick. But like I'm interested in her all of a sudden after be, say agreeing with the masses like, oh, my God, why aren't you using Liv? You know, I said it on the show. I'm like, why is Alexa Bliss challenging for the title, a raw woman challenging for the SmackDown title, when Liv Morgan's not even being used? I think I said that, that exact sentence. But did I actually care about her character? No. Now she's back, and I care about her character. Really good job by them. Okay, BC. Uh, so we've, we're seeing a lot of Kevin Owens, right? We had the faux pipe bomb last week on SmackDown. This week... Uh, they had that town hall, and obviously he got thrown out of the arena. Beforehand, comes back in, stuns Shane McMahon. Is this way, Kevin hall, Owens' quick, the town hall angle? Town hall was good, Adam. Real quick. Just real quick. Giving other people a voice, town hall was actually a good segment. It was pretty bad. Pretty bad. I need different. It, it was different. I was, I I was happy I got to, I was happy I got to hear Buddy Murphy speak, but like – and Roman Reigns walked out, and then there was, was okay, good. great, Roman, you walked out. Matches, it was good. It was a success. It was a success. Keep going. Yeah, Keep going. I, I didn't like it. Um, but is this Kevin Owens' angle gimmick that they're running as basically a poor everyday man's cross between Steve Austin and CM Punk? Is this working for you? Hero Zero. Ah, oh, man. It was last week. In theory, it does. He's got the rub from Steve Austin. He came out with taped fists this week on Monday. That was very punk-like. I didn't realize that, actually. In theory, it should. Come on, lay the pipe bomb on me, big guy. Come on, go ahead. But no, Tuesday night ruined everything, Adam, because Tuesday night, apparently Eric Bischoff wasn't ready, and they mailed in a bad episode of SmackDown. Okay, no, not not a, not patently bad, not offensively bad, more just average. But given the expectations of the moment, it it, it hit with a wah wah. Like the opening segment, hated everything what happened from the moment that Kevin Owens ran up from behind on Shane in the opening segment. Because from there, it was sort of another one of those episodes that we've sworn through the past few months sworn meaning actually swearing through because they built the foundation around a story that didn't really make any sense so you toss kevin owens out of course he's gonna run in but then after he runs in there's no penalty oh and now dolph ziggler wants to fight him and wait dolph ziggler was just on Miz tv and it made no sense the night before but no hold on now dolph ziggler wants to fight him oh shane says yeah go get him if you can if you can get his number from a referee you can bring ko back and then what happens he's in a match against ziggler and shane tries a predictable way to cheat and gets stunned adam it was the most vanilla cut and copy and paste go back to the well for the sake of it 
So, no, as of right now, it's a massive zero because you took something that could work. The idea of Kevin Owens as a babyface, as a reckless for the people babyface, is something we talked about forever could one day work great. And it still can. But you need to have something there. You need to try. You know what this ain't? This ain't 1998. And you know what KO ain't? He ain't Steve Austin. And in 98, every week Steve Austin could do the same shit to Vince McMahon and we would all pop. It ain't that anymore. You got to write something that makes sense and that matters. So what? Every episode, Shane's going to get rid of him and he's going to come back and stun him. What are we doing here? What are we building toward? They have an opportunity right now. And I know I said last week I was excited about the idea of a KO Shane feud, even though they had just feuded a couple years before. I amend that. Not really excited about that. Also not really excited about the idea of KO against the authority. But KO works. This could work. You need to give him an opponent who matters. If they start to set that up, I'm all the way back in on it. But this this week was ish. Yeah, man, you killed it. It's like they took a 1998 Raw script, just the Austin and McMahon parts, tried to erase it, but just left a dull, like, you know, like when you try to erase pen and it's, it's still there, but it's just really super dull and not as sharp as it was before. And then just handed that in and said, KO, go do this. By the way, no middle fingers, no cool promos. Uh, just this is what you're doing. It's it's one thing to allow Kevin Owens to change his finisher from the pop-up powerbomb to the stunner. I discussed that last week. Not a huge fan, but fine. It's quite another to ask him to be Steve Austin doing 17 stunners in one night. And a botched that one, is too. So, botched one in the beginning, too. That was and a botched one. That was Shane's fault. Um, It was so, like, carbon copy that it actually hurt me watching it. It was me saying, I thought I was going to love this, but it's so terrible that you're making me hate it. And that is the crux. This is a paradigm of WWE's problems over the last few years. The ideas themselves aren't terrible. Roman Reigns fighting back to beat Brock Lesnar for the title. It's not a terrible idea. Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey and inserting Charlotte Flair. Not a terrible idea. But the execution, the inability to maintain momentum from one week to the next for a character to be the same character he is from one week to the next. That's your problem. I will never believe that Kevin Owens is simultaneously an everyman, a rebel, a version of Daniel Bryan yes movement, and a badass. It's too much. Pick one lane. If you want him to use the stunner, that's cool. But don't turn Shane McMahon into Vince McMahon and don't try to turn Kevin Owens into Steve Austin because the truth is Shane ain't no Vince. And as you said, Kevin ain't no Austin. Yeah, nailed it. All right, Adam. WWE teased a career-altering announcement for Daniel Bryan on Tuesday. There were commercials. There were teases. There were emails. There was everything. I think they showed up at my door. Although I wasn't there, of course. I'm in these dirty bedsheets right now. And they didn't deliver on Tuesday night. Is this acceptable promoting? And I'm going to add in 
given the fact that they're playing up on our fears that Daniel Bryan's about to retire again. Yes, they are. So given that, Adam, is this acceptable to do this, not deliver, and does it make you care about the angle at all? Well, on that on that middle part there, I had no thought for a second that he was retiring again. I mean, but it's he cut a mind. promo. But... It's in your mind when you hear that. That's why they. Well, they're it up. they're they're playing it up. They're playing it up as oh my god, here's another big Daniel Bryan announcement. But it was clear if you watch that video, and again, they don't put it on TV. They should have had it on the pay per view itself. But if you watched the video after he lost the title at Extreme Rules, it was very clear that he was snapping and going in a different direction. And, I mean, look, I don't know what it's going to be ultimately. I kind of, and I'm not the only one to think this, I'm kind of wondering if they're, like, going to have him try to go over to 205 Live and elevate the hell out of that with Chad Gable, and we're going to talk about Chad Gable later. I don't know what the angle is, but it was clear from the start to me that it's an angle. But look, you cannot promote something to that degree. Just like they did about Brock, they promised. Brock was going to cash in money in the bank like four weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was. You cannot promise something to that level and then literally have him come out and do the Chris Jericho where he walks out with a mic, doesn't say anything, walks back. You know, Jericho did that like two years ago, three years ago when he returned and he was silent for like four weeks, right? If that's the angle they're planning with Daniel Bryan, where he's going to do that again next week, shame on them. So, I can give this a zero. I'd rather give it an FU because it's an FU. It's an FU to fans to kind of say, "Hey, tune into our product. We're going to give you something really good on someone that you really care about," and then actually just give us him walking out on the stage three times. That's crap. I, I have nothing more to add. You nailed it. You nailed it. Moving on. All right, all right, BC. So WWE. This is really something I was going to bring up as an overall topic in the main event. I think it works as a hero or a zero. They basically, over the last two weeks, have tried to use their entire main roster. I don't know if everyone's noticed that, but SmackDown had like three women's matches, a couple multi. Um, They threw out Sarah Logan last week. This week they had Cedric Alexander roll up Drew McIntyre. And then, talk about carbon copy, they had (laughs) Apollo Crews roll up Andrade on SmackDown one night later. In almost the exact same fashion. You know what hurt watching that? The fact that they're both African-American wrestlers. It I know. And like, smaller gu- and, yeah. and smaller guys. It's like it's it's like when the, the Riot Squad came out after whatever the hell the thing was on Raw. It was like, you're just giving us a worse carbon copy of the exact same thing you're doing. They could have had Buddy Murphy beat him. Why not Buddy Murphy in that spot? Right? So is it a step in the right direction for you? And you can talk about those roll-ups if you want and everything else. But is it a step in the right direction, hero or zero, that WWE seems to understand that they need to use all of the talent on their rosters? It's 100% a step in the right direction. And what's going to happen is you're going to organically create new superstars by having some of these guys play smaller roles. I know Leo Rush is in some trouble or whatever. He's not by Lashley's side. But just by giving Leo Rush that opportunity, you're like, wow, this guy can do some things. I want to see more of that. I think we've seen more of that. The theme of this show was taking L's and saying that you're wrong. So here's a few. This Drake Maverick usage in this 24-7 title feud has been freaking amazing, Adam. It's been fantastic. I hated the 24-7 title up to this point. Going the old school way of showing the, the, they're about to have sex in the room and our truth. I mean, good God, that's, it's, it's funny. It's good. It's, it's needed. It's great. I'm coming fully around on that. 
I'm coming fully around that I hated the crap out of the build toward that Alistair Black thing. And guess what? That pay-per-view match against Cesaro was great. Stiff as balls and great. And running it back this week and having him black mass Cesaro to the point of spitting out the mouthpiece was that's how you put somebody over. I know that's not really part of this discussion. Though. The discussion is about using these smaller players. It is a step in the right direction. Yeah, I can quibble about Alexander and Cruz being in the same thing. But we saw Liv Morgan get another chance. We saw Buddy Murphy twice. Granted, both times it was lame, but we saw him twice. We saw people on the stage in that State of the Union thing. Let's do that. How hey, WWE? Let's stop having the same two people wrestle every week. Let's stop doing a rematch a day after a pay-per-view. Why don't you have one of them wrestle these other guys on your roster that we like and care about? Was that bad to give Zack Ryder the Long Island pop this week? No, it was great. All right, our own, uh, who's that guy, Adam X. Parsons? You know he's trying to be a comedian? Uh, I did say that as a joke. Apparently. But, uh, but uh, you know, he's a Mount Rushmore type is guy. He better, is he better than that joke or no? no? Probably. But uh, he just DM'd me and said he was <laughs> in the crowd, and uh, he said that, that, that Ryder Pop was real, brother. I'm all for it. It's a hero. Thank you, Paul Heyman. Let's keep it going. Yeah, it is a hero. I mean, it's, as you said, like, there's no good reason that you can't have the Drew McIntyre-Cedric Alexander match and have Drew McIntyre win and have his next opponent sitting there on the ramp clapping, right? Like, you you don't always have to have the same people interact with each other on every episode of television. What did WCW used to do back in the day? In WWE, too. They'd have Austin fight Goldust. And Austin would beat Goldust. And then Rock would be on the ramp cutting a promo after the match. Or they that use works. factions, Adam. Factions are a key way to improve people. Uh, they are. I mean, when you brought out NWO, granted, when there was like 19 members, it wasn't great. But like Rick Rude standing in the background, like at least it was a use of him. And he'd have a word on the mic to rip somebody every once in a while. Uh, can I see more of that, please? What about what about they put Bobby Rude with the revival? And by the way, this is something that you and I have talked about for a long time reviving the horsemen specifically with those three together plus charlotte right but he puts them with the revival and it worked it was really good we're even forgetting that we saw bobby Roode this week but that worked right add two more people to that find two more people Dolph ziggler who is a, a, a chad gable a ring general who's not one of these big characters and expand that as a faction i am the biggest fan biggest fan of factions and stables to me, that was one of the best eras of WWE, not just because it was the Attitude Era, but the Nation of Domination was freaking awesome. Well, DX was over. great. You don't have to be a main eventer to get over in a faction. You play a role. Exactly. That's the key. All right, and we're running out of time. we got about two minutes to go. I wanted to hit you with my feel spot. I think you can agree with it, although you did enjoy that Evolve show that I need to check out. It was the 205 Live main event this week. Chad Gable, Jack Gallagher peeling my face off for about 20 minutes with pure wrestling. Here's why it ruled. They made winning that match that seemingly, I know there was a storyline build, there was a count out last time, but a match that seemingly doesn't matter a whole hell of a lot, they made it feel like the main event of WrestleMania. And it's a little change in how you promote and present things, Adam. Vince kind of makes things like feel like a joke, and there's always a predictable trope coming to end the match. This was just a match that made you buy into that whoever wins this, their life will improve. The work was obviously brilliant. Chad's amazing, but Jack keeping up his end of the bargain when I don't consider him a great worker, I loved everything they gave me. Yeah, I really don't like Gallagher at all, but that match was freaking fantastic, man. And look, 
we've always, we've said it a million times, Chad Gable is great. Give him a character, give him a mid-card title run. He's great. He can do it. He has everything you want in a character. This just proved it. If we're, if he needs to go the way of Buddy Murphy and go the way of Neville, obviously, without Neville leaving, and just prove it on 205 Live, and that's the only way that you're going to get in front of these guys, and just dominate that show and become Cruiserweight Champion, because I like Drew Gulak, but, I mean, he doesn't do much. Tony Nese doesn't do much. Chad Gable does, right? If you want to let this guy build that character, have him feud with Mike Kanellis on 205 Live, get something really going, really awesome going there, I'll buy it. And then give him nine months, put him back on the main roster, and make this guy matter again. But Chad Gable proved everything we've ever said about him during that match. There was character work. There was in-ring ability. The match rocked the freaking house. Good for them. Love it. Hey, reminder, check out State of Combat's boxing episode this weekend. You all fired up for Pacquiao Thurman. Big time interview with Keith Thurman in the middle of it. Check out our coverage this week on CBS Sports HQ. Should be a little SOC bonus boxing instant analysis on Sunday. Dropping into your ear hole as well. SK, anything to say to these people? No, follow us on Twitter at State of Combat. We'll always have live coverage, new podcast announcements, videos, knockouts, everything you want at State of Combat on Twitter, obviously at B. Campbell CBS, at Silverstein Adam, and for CBS Sports HQ, at CBS Sports HQ. Okay, let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. That's a little rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Yeah, we're out.